tonight, we're not talking about the history of the church. We're talking about welcome to the kingdom. Amen. We're going to be talking about uh, living in the kingdom of God and how that it changes our life. There's so many things here that I didn't even study all of it. I studied half of it because I know, I told my wife before church, tonight we're going to be talking about some very interesting subjects, and there is no way that I can get them all in because any one of the subjects that we're going to talk about tonight, I have taught uh, sometimes 10 weeks on the same subject. So uh, we're, not going, we're not going to spend that much time, but I do want to go into what it is and how you live and what happens when you become a child of God. Welcome, welcome to the kingdom. When you receive the Holy Ghost, when you're baptized, when you, when you come to the Lord, you are entering into the kingdom of God. Here's what the Bible said. Jesus, when he's praying, he said, Thy kingdom come. Here, pray after this manner. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done uh, in earth as it is in heaven. And then again, he said, he said in Luke 17, uh, verses 20 through 21, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Paul said it this way in his writing. He said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is, somebody help me here, righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God is not a party. It's not a gathering. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. And Paul said, it is righteousness, it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. These things are in the papers that you have. If you didn't get a paper, Brother David will bring you one. Anybody needs a, a handout for tonight? Everybody get one? Here's one right over here, Brother David. And I'm going to make sure everybody gets the scriptures and that you can take them home with you. So the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is reigning inside of spirit-filled believers. Quite early in Jesus' ministry, he began revealing his constitution and, and his principles, the fundamental principles of how the kingdom of God would operate. And of course, we understand this. Notice, notice on the chart above. It's a new way of life for people who are covenant people, New Testament people. New Testament covenant, if you, if you want to put it that way. And so, so when we look at this, then we realize there are some real privileges of being in the kingdom. And uh, I, I want to go over a few of them with you tonight. First of all, if you go down to the bottom, it said, except a man be born again. You notice that little inscription. Well, that comes from John chapter 3. There was once a ruler a Jewish ruler that came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3, and his name was Nicodemus. And he said, Good master, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And he was really asking Jesus about his identity. The Lord ignored the question about who he was. And this is what he said. Matter of fact, uh, if you have your Bibles, just, just turn there with me, I'll go there real quick because I want you to see what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That's St. John chapter 3. And uh, here's what he said. 
Jesus just answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus, this really gets his attention, and he said to, to the Lord, he said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? But Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He's saying to him that to get into the kingdom and kingdom living, you got to be born again. Born again. Not, not a literal birth, but a spiritual birth. So you cannot see or you cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born again. And everybody said amen. That's simple scripture. So we understand that this kingdom that is living within us is born in us when we're born of the water and the spirit. I'm just glad to be in a church that still believes that people have to be buried in water in baptism and receive the baptism of the spirit in their life to be in the kingdom of God. I believe that, don't you? That's what the scriptures teach. So entrance into the kingdom requires new birth. I could read a lot of scripture here. The Bible talks about in Romans chapter 8, it said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's that born again experience. That's why we preach it so hard here because, ladies and gentlemen, that's resurrection power. That's what's going to get you out of here. Amen? Hallelujah. When you get that resurrection power, you get the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. And then Jesus said something else. He talked about us coming to him as a, and becoming as a little child. Except ye become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. You know, th this could be talked about. This is one of those subjects I could talk about for a long time. But here's what you do. You emulate the trust of a child. You be humble like a child. You be forgiving like a child. You be teachable like a child. There are so many things that we could talk about when it talks about becoming as a child when you come to the Lord. And then let me go back, let me go up to the top. Let's talk about the privileges of being in the kingdom. Number one, we have the privilege of all of our sins being washed away and remitted. That's what you had to do to get here. You, are, you become the sons of God joint heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Say this with me. He is the Son of God. And the Bible said that when we come into the kingdom, we become joint heirs with Christ. That means that everything that God gives to his Son, Jesus, he gives to us who are filled with his Spirit. We are joint heirs. Everybody got that? You understand where I'm coming from? Amen. So, so you, you, you get 
you, here's the scripture. Let me give you one or two right quick. But as many as received him, in John chapter 1, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When we believed him, when we received him, we became sons of God. Right? So John, 1 John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And the Bible said in Romans 8, I love Romans 8. It's probably one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. There's so many riches in Romans 8. But here's what Paul said. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. With Christ. That's why some of these days we're going to rule and reign as priests and kings because we are joint heirs with Christ. Amen. And whatever the Lord God Almighty gave to his only begotten son, he has given to the church of the living God because we became the sons of God when we came into the kingdom. Not only that, but let's move down. Righteousness, it's a privilege. We learn the righteousness of God. Our righteousness is no good. You know what the Bible said? That our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. I've often preached it this way. You can't get good enough to get God. You just can't. You try all you want to. You can't get good enough to get God. You don't get good to get God. You get good because you get God. Amen? Because in us is unrighteousness. David said we were born in sin and we were shaped in iniquity. We came here with a carnal nature. We came here, the Bible said, born in sin. So that's why we have to be born again because we put on his righteousness. And Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 3. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. We get God's righteousness. And so we learn to live in the righteousness of God when we come into the kingdom of God. And then the next thing that we are promised is eternal life. Eternal life. It's on the chart there, and it's on your sheet of paper. I'm not reading all the scriptures that are on your sheets tonight, but you need to study those things because when you talk about eternal life, we are born to die. It's a process in our life. When we give birth to our babies, understand this. We live, we breathe, we go through life, and we die. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 9 and 7 said, it is appointed, 927, it is appointed unto man once to die. Everybody's going to die. I got some sad news for you today. If the Lord don't come get us, we all going to die. That's not a fun thought to think of, but that's facts. So when you die, you're going to live forever somewhere. But the Bible said that when we come into the kingdom, we are promised eternal life. We can have eternal life. Does anybody believe that tonight? Amen. I, I, I thank God that we don't have to die without hope. The Bible said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, Jesus said, hath everlasting life 
and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. When you leave this world as a Christian, you're stepping into the life and life called everlasting life or eternal life. Do you know what the word eternal means? Never ending. Never ending. Never ending. That means that you will live forever. Thank God that we have a promise of eternal life. Amen? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're, we're, we're promised eternal life. Let me hurry. And then, of course, when you come into the kingdom, you become a new creation. Oh, I could preach here for a while. Paul said this, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. The old, no, it didn't say the old thing. Here's what it said. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17 if you want to look it up in your Bible. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5.17 or is it 1 Corinthians? I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Here's what he said. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold. Everybody in this room say with me, behold. Now, I know some of you have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say this for the sake of people that haven't heard me say it. When Paul said behold, that word means look and see. Look and see. Behold all things. Let, go, to that, go to that next verse, Brother Tommy, if you will. He's got my scripture up here on the deal, so y'all can't see it, but I can. Amen. The, the, the 5, 517, uh, are we at the place? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, there he is, a new creature. Old things, everybody say old things, are passed away. Behold, all things become new. In other words, I got news for you. When you come into the kingdom of God and you are a believer and you follow the biblical instructions of how to get into the kingdom of God, you become a new person. You become a new creation. Behold, all things become new. Look and see that you've become new. You know what? When people come to God, isn't it amazing how those that they've known for a long time can say, what's happened to you? Something's happened in your life. What, what changed about you? So I want you to understand that when you come to God, now, now we, we, we hear the terminology all the time, and, and it's been for years, you know, these, these people that are supposed to come to the Lord and supposed to be born again, and they take it so lightly, and they never quit doing anything they're doing, and they're, as a matter of fact, they just, they just live and, and move and, and keep r rolling forward and nothing ever changes. Here's my, here's my perspective. If you don't change, God didn't come in because when God comes in, there's some things about you that are going to change. You're going to change where you go, change how you live, change how you talk, change some things in your life. And I'm not, I'm not here to be judgmental tonight. I want you to understand something. The Scripture said you can see when a man is in Christ. All things are gone. All the old habits, all the, look, here's what changes when you come to God. You ready for this? Your habits, your lifestyle, your friends, 
your, your, your life, period. It just changes when you come to God because the things you used to hate, you now love. And the things that you used to love, you now hate. Everything turns around when you come to Jesus. Amen. So that's good stuff. That's that. Then, of course, the last one on your chart is the Lordship of Christ. How many of you understand that he has to be the Lord of our life? He has to be the Lord of our life. The Bible said in Romans 10 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You've got you to gotta confess that he is Lord in your life, and you have to make him Lord in your life. Amen? So you have to let him be the Lord of your life. And I, I move quickly today. Now, the bottom part of that chart says responsibilities. So let's talk about responsibilities here for just a few minutes, if we may. Let's just read it right off the chart. Number one is you got to love God and you got to obey his laws. Jesus said one time in his earthly ministry, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right? We can say we love the Lord, but it shows up as to whether or not we keep his commandments. Love the Lord with all of your, he said, they said, Jesus, what's the first commandment? What did he say to them? He said, love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. That's your responsibility. That's what the Lord asked you to do. And not only that, he asked you to be submissive to the word of God and the will of God. And, and I believe not only to God's will, but to human authority. We have to have authority in our life. Amen? I, I, I'm going to stay right here for just a minute because I want you to see a thing or two here. Matthew 7, 21 said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You have to be submissive to what God wants you to be. You have to learn to pray, and you have to learn to hear the voice of God. We had a great study here uh, uh, Monday night in our Foolproof Man series. Brother Ed Rice uh, taught that. And, and one of the things that we talked about was, uh, was submission. We, we, we were talking about submitting our will to God and, and, and to pray. Here's, here's what else I, I want you to understand. Jesus taught very, very plainly that we are to obey human authority. Here's what he said. Uh, the Word of God said, Paul said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For these are they, for they watch for your soul. These are the people that you need to listen to. Proverbs twenty two fifteen said, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So there's human authority in our life. God is over man. Don't you get quiet on me. Man is over woman. Parents are over children. I'm still in the book. Go read 1 Corinthians 11. I'm still in the book. Everybody has to answer to an authority. 
Everybody said amen. Here's what Paul said to the Romans. He said, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So we, we submit. There's, there's really four basic parts of our life where there's authority. There's the family. There's the government. There's the church. And there's business. And, and when you continually develop your spiritual life, I want to tell you, you will fall in submission to somebody. Everybody, nobody is an island unto himself. Everybody has to answer to somebody. Amen? Because we need authority in our life. I could go on and I could read you many scriptures, but, you know, you know where's that scripture at that says obey the laws of the land? Somebody grab that for me. Where's that at? Obey the laws of the land. Don't look in your Bible. It's not there. Okay? That's a trick. You've heard that scripture, quote, unquote, said many times. Well, you know the Bible said obey the laws of the land. It doesn't say that. But it does talk about submitting yourself to authority and to higher power. Amen. Everybody said amen. If you want to be a good Christian, you do need to obey the laws of the land, most of them. Amen. About the only one I ever break is when I'm going down the interstate or the frontage road. Or Sometimes I have to be in a hurry. I'll tell you all a real funny story. You ready? Don't hold this against me. But I left this church one day, and I was in a wild hurry. I was actually trying to get to a funeral. And, and I took off down this road. There wasn't no cars. wasn't nothing. So I was in a pretty big hurry. And when I turned out on Garrett Road, a state police pulled over and pulled over in my lane, turned his lights on. And he got out. And he said, Brother Chance, where are you going? I said, get out of my way. I'm going to a funeral. He said, I was going down the interstate, and you were outrunning me. I didn't see him. He was going down that way. That's a true story. <laughs> I said, would you move your car? I'm in a hurry. And he did, and I did. So obey the laws of the land to the best of your ability. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. None of y'all ever done anything like that. I know y'all are wonderful, marvelous Christians. Praise God. Continue spiritual development. Continue Jesus' mission on the earth. And prepare for future positions. That's, that's the millennium. That's, that's, when we're, that's where we're going, and I'm going to talk about that in lessons to come. I'm hurrying because the next chart, please, is where I want to go tonight. And it's going to take a little bit to go through this, but I want you to understand where we are. Everybody say, from darkness to light. You see, the new principle of living when you come into the kingdom of God, you leave one world and you go to another world. Let me tell you, and, and, and that's not, this is not on your chart, but what this chart is going to deal with is three of the greatest chapters, if not the greatest chapters in your Bible. If you don't read anything else, you go read these three chapters. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Does anybody know what that is? 
Does anybody know? Don't look at your Bible. Does anybody know what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is? I heard somebody say it. Thank you, Lisa. We got one Bible scholar here. Amen. If y'all don't know that by now, then I have failed in 33 years of preaching in this church. The Sermon on the Mount. Everybody say it with me. The Sermon on the Mount. Paul said this. He said, for you were sometimes darkness, but now ye, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's in Ephesians. He said in Acts 26, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. So, so what this chart and the things that it lists literally take us to from darkness to light. Jesus said to those around him one day, he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We are not people of darkness. Y'all ain't going to like me, but some of you will. I don't like dark churches. I don't care how cool it is. I don't care what the modern day says. I'm just telling you, DG don't like dark churches. I like light. We're children of light. You say, well, that just puts a soothing effect. It might put an effect where people can get away with more. Just me. You might like them. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I don't like it. I got a right to an opinion, don't I? This is not Bible. I'm teaching DGology right now. So, and I hope you remember some of that when I'm dead and gone, a few DGologies. But Jesus said that we walk not in darkness, but we walk in light. And I know that's a spiritual thing. The radiant life of a new child of God ought to be so powerful that it shines in a dark world. Folks, I don't know if you understand it tonight, but we are living in a very dark world, a very dark time. The Bible, Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And then he went on to say, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. It's hard to outlive the darkness and the evil of this world. It has its claws reaching for us every waking moment of our day. Amen. So we want to get rid of the dark side of humanity, and we want the light side of humanity. If the dark side would perish, it would do it when the presence of God comes in. You can't do it by yourself. You have to do it with the presence of the power of God in your life. This is why prayer is so important in our life. This is why living for God is so important because the light, the Bible said in 1 John, If we walk in the light 
as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So how do we get rid of the old way and get in the new way? Through the light. We have to have the light. Let me, let me, uh, let me preface some of the things that's on the chart tonight because Jesus started teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and he, he taught it with such fervor. On the Sermon on the Mount, he starts with attitude. How many of you believe attitude goes a long way? It goes a long way on your job. It goes a long way in the church. It goes a long way in your marriage. It goes a long way with your friends. Attitude. Y'all are sure quiet on me tonight, but it's okay because Jesus spoke, and we call them the Beatitudes, okay? But here's what he talked about. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they which mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that when they are persecuted for my right for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He, he goes into this thing about our attitude and he talks about what it will gain if we just his discourse on attitude is a lesson within itself. And we'll talk about it at another time. But he starts off. His greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he lays the principles and the fundamentals and the foundation for all Christian life. He, he was just, I, I, want you to, I want you to notice this because I have to spend time right here this evening. He talked about murder and anger. You know, in the Old Testament, murder was pretty common. And anger was real common. As a matter of fact, Jesus declared that rash anger with your brother is the same as murder in the New Testament. So he went from murder and anger over to the new way, and that's asking forgiveness. Thou shalt not kill. Hello? The sinful action of murder was in the beginning and yet in the Old Testament there were reasons for murder. There were Bible, I know you, I, I know you ain't going to believe this, there were Bible reasons because you see if a man killed my brother I had a right to become the avenger of blood according to the law. And I could go take that man's life for my brother. So Jesus came, comes along. And he said the solution is to ask your brother for forgiveness. That's the new life. The old life talked about sexual sins. And, and you know, the seventh commandment forbade the act of adultery. But Jesus prohibited in the New Testament, 
you know, we believe the, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. But here's what Jesus said. Watch this. The old way is just don't commit adultery. But the new way is if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart already. I don't know why God didn't put on that. If, you, if a woman looks at a man, I guess we're so ugly it doesn't matter. But I'm going to agree with Jesus on this one. Men are not near as fun to look at as women. You, you say what you want to. You're thinking it, and I'm just saying it. Amen? But he never said that. He never said if a woman looks on a man. He just said if a man looks upon a woman. So he went from sexual sins until he said, you got to get your thoughts right. You can't just not commit adultery. You can't even think the thoughts that comes through a man's head. I, I, I've told this story many times before. Many years ago, First Church I pastored, uh, I, I was teaching one night, and, and a guy raised his hand, and, and uh, he, he said, I, I, I got it figured out, preacher, because I was quoting the scripture where if a man look upon a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. He said, I got it figured out, preacher. I said, okay, what is it, uh, brother? And he said, I'll I tell you what, you, you, you can't look that second time. He said, you just can't kick your eyes off of her. He said, it's that second look that'll get you. He said, you just can't take your eyes. I said, no, 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 I'm afraid that's not what it says. But you got to have pure thoughts. Another, another of Moses' laws concerned revenge. You know what? In the Old Testament, it was this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. My daddy used to say it this way, you kill my dog, I'll kill your cat. It was revenge. Everybody say revenge. But not in the New Testament. The Lord went from revenge to pardon. The new way is, is don't retaliate. Don't give evil for evil. Don't give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We are permitted to avoid persecution by fleeing to another city and, and, and doing the right thing. The Old Testament there were, there were places that were called cities of refuge. People had to go there until the avenger of, of the adversary died. He couldn't get out of the city because that was his city of protection. Well, not in the New Testament. The Lord just said, you can't get revenge. You just have to pardon one another. Amen. The Old Testament talked Hate your enemies. But Jesus comes along and he said, you know, it's, it's been said of the old test or the old law, the old way, love your brother and hate your enemies. But he said, I'm going to say this to you. Love your enemies and love those that hate you and pray for those that despitefully use you. How many of you understand that this is a brand new way of looking at things and all of it, pardon me, and pardon my English, ain't easy. It's going to take a born again experience living in the kingdom for you to do what Jesus asked you to do. Amen. It, it, it doesn't stop there. 
it, it, it goes on. And, and so, so let, me, let, me, let me hurry here. It talks about prejudice. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of prejudice. Amen. But in the New Testament, Jesus taught us to be impartial. He, he, he gives God, he said God is going to send rain upon the just and the unjust. There's no prejudice in the scriptures. Look, prejudice goes way beyond just who we are as people. You can be prejudiced in your religion. You can be prejudiced in your nationality. This is why the Jews hated the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. And they didn't like the Gentiles either. So, so what I'm telling you is, is we can't have any prejudice. We have to be impartial when we walk with God. Because let me tell you about God. He don't look at skin color. He don't look at background. He, he could care less of what your pedigree is. Let me tell you what he does. He looks at every person in this building, every person in America, every person in the world as a living soul. And we all matter to God. Everybody say amen. I believe what I'm teaching you tonight. I want you to grasp it. Then he talked about, in the Old Testament, it was, it was hypocrisy. In those days, religious professors played their religion by giving alms publicly and by, by, uh, by praying and fasting publicly. Matter of fact, he, he rebuked the Pharisees. He said, he said you know, you, you, you're whited sepulchers on the outside. You look good, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. It's, it's got to be, listen to me, every one of you, and especially those of you who have come to this church over the last little while. You, you can't just look the part. You've got to be the part. You've got to get it down in here. It can't just be a Sunday religion. Amen? It can't just be a, yeah, I go to Christian life. I'm, I'm a member there. It's got to be more than that. I'm a born-again child of God, and therefore my lifestyle has changed. Hello. So it goes from hypocrisy to pure motives. you got to have, that's why Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He said, when you pray, you don't go pray on the street corner. Go find your closet of prayer. Bury yourself up in a closet of prayer and pray because what you do in secret, God said, I'm going to reward you in op openly. You, you, you don't have to do it while everybody's watching. You, you don't want to give alms so that everybody can see. Now, now that, that doesn't mean you don't take public offerings. It's an attitude and a spirit behind that. If you see somebody that's always flaunting their money, they probably need to go have a prayer meeting. Amen. The good part about us is we ain't got no money to flaunt. That's a wonderful part. So you can't, look, I've always said if I'm going to hell, it ain't going to be over money. You got to have money to go to hell over money. The love of money is the root, the root of all evil. Not money, just the love of it. Everybody say amen. Y'all wake up, elbow your neighbor if you're close enough and say, wake up, he's not through yet. Amen. So, so, 
the, the, the old way is greed. Greed. It's to lay up treasures for ourselves. Jesus comes back in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in this earth where the moth and the rust doth corrupt and the thieves can break through and steal. But he said, lay up treasures in heaven. He tells parables. He goes through stories. He talks about a man that is plowing and hits a treasure and sees the value and he goes and buys the whole field. It's, it's a matter of not having greed but being generous. Give. You ready for this scripture? I want everybody, you ought to mark this in your Bible. If you don't have it, put it on your cell phone right now. If you don't have it, write it on the palm of your hand right now. Everybody in this room needs to understand this scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. You ready? I knew a man, and I'm going I'm to say this before I read the scripture. I knew a man that when he came to church, he was so poor, he couldn't buy groceries. He drove a jalopy. This is many years ago. He, he, he didn't have nothing. And he, if he was here today, he could testify to what I'm about to say. He came to my father, and he said, I'm going to give my way out of debt. And he did. Because here's what the Bible said. Give and what? And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall not God, men, give into your bosom. You can't outgive God. And he said, shall men give unto your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. You know what Paul said? If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. So my question to you is, what kind of crop do you want? Well, it's quiet now. I can hear mice running across the ceiling dial. But it's the, it's the word of God. He said, this is what you've got to learn. He said, quit worrying and having anxiety about life. I'm probably not going to get through this chart right here. He said, quit worrying about that. Because when you worry, worry and anxiety, he said, be contented with such things as you have. He said, why are you worried about tomorrow? And why are you worried about the clothes that you're going to wear and the food that's going to be on your table? Here's what the Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, take no thought of tomorrow. Do you not know that he clothes the lilies of the field and he feeds the sparrows of the air? Do you not know that God is protected and he loves you? You're his children and, and he's our father. And so, and so he comes along. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Seek ye first the kingdom. That's what we're talking about tonight, kingdom living. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Somebody said, well, I'm going to give $10 to the offer because God's going to give it back. No, that, 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 that's not the way you do that. You give $10 because you love God. And you let the Lord take care of the rest. Got to get a witness here tonight. You can't give with that motive. You give because you love his kingdom. You give because you love the word of the Lord and you love what God has done in your life. That, that's, that's what it's all about. But he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. That's in, that's in, in, in the sixth chapter where, where Jesus talks about giving. He said, all of these things. What things? Clothes on your back, food on your table. All of these things shall be added Unto you. Quit worried about it. I'm a natural worrier. My wife told me just this week, you're a natural worrier. I just am. I, I just worry about a lot of stuff. But you know what? The Bible said quit worrying. And we have, I, I was thinking today. Gas is now higher than it's been ever. Groceries are going out of sight. Everything we do is costing, it's crazy. I don't even know how people are going to drive to work this keeps on. Inflation is at a 40-year high. They raised the interest rates again today. See, I remember, some of you will, I remember when interest was 18%. I lived through that day. I remember that. I remember watching it go up, and I remember the struggles of families. And, and you know what? We're, we're in a worse predicament today than we've ever been. I'm not here to cast blame. Here's what I'm here to tell you. We're going to find out who loves God and who don't in the end time. This is where... That part that, that, that the Lord is going to divide the sheep from the goats. This is where the, 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 the wheat's going to be thrown up on the threshing floor and the chaff's going to be blown away and the good's going to come down. Because here's what it's going to come to. Are you in love with God? How much do you love him? How faithful are you going to be to him? Let me tell you, I want to give this church some great advice. I think after 33 years, you know June the 1st last week or two, June the 1st I was here 33 years. After 33 years, if you don't hear my voice, then you probably need to find another preacher. And I ain't joking. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. You better trust God. You better put God number one on your list. You better do your very best to do whatever God wants you to do and give your way into the kingdom of God. God, here's what I'm telling you. David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed out begging bread. And brother, every man may be a liar, but this good book is right. Amen? So what, and, and I'm not saying that with any ulterior motive in mind. I'm just saying that this is what he said do. Leave that old world. Leave that judgmental world. That judgmental world. You know, Jesus dealt with it. 
he dealt with tolerance. He said if, just remember this, however you judge is how you're going to be judged. Just remember this, how hard you are on everybody else is coming home to you. Amen? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And here's what he said. Don't judge your brother. Judge yourself. Because if you judge yourself, you won't have to be judged. God didn't call you to be a judge. He called you to be a witness. When you got the Holy Ghost, you became witnesses. He didn't call you to be a judge. You know, I've had people question me many times, well, what about so-and-so? You know what? You let me and Jesus worry about that. He put me over this church, and when he's through with me, I'll be gone. But here's what I want to tell you. There's mistakes in people's lives, and some of them don't go unnoticed by the public. But here's what I do know. God forgives people, and God has blood that will wash the person up. We've been through in our history in the church, especially the Pentecostal church. Well, they've done so-and-so. They've got to do this, this, this. That, that, that's not God's criteria. That's man's criteria. Here's what I'm going to tell you. When a man repents and he gets his heart right with God and he's moving back in the right direction and he's trying, I don't think it's the church's idea or it's just maybe the idea. I don't think it's the church's position that we have to hold people at arm's length and say, you've got to prove yourself to us. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We don't want a bunch of sin right running rampant in this church and we don't want a bunch of things going on where people are living lifestyles and trying to be involved in the church where where nobody believes in them there has to be a, a mark and there has, but you've got to not judge people and I can't judge people we've got to stand before God because if God judged us the way we judge everybody else some of us may be in trouble that's good stuff whether you believe that or not Amen. You gotta you gotta be tolerant. You gotta love people. You can't be judgmental. You gotta be tolerant with people. Let me let me go, let me end right here. I got five minutes. The golden rule. Who knows what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do you know how tough that is? Next time me or you open our mouth to talk about somebody else, just remember that it could be you on the other end of that. Do you talk about hard? Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Well, I want people to love me, well, then love people. I want people to like me, then like people. I don't like people talking about me, well, then quit talking about everybody. Whatever you want, just treat everybody else that way. Huh? 
It works in a marriage. It works on the job. It works in the church. It works in everyday life. Just follow the golden rule. You know why we all call it the golden rule, and it's been that way ever since I've been? Because that, that's top priority. That, that's really what Jesus said do. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men to do unto you, do it to, do it to them. You want, you want people to be kind to you? Just be kind. You want people to be smart aleck unto you? Just be a smart aleck. You'll get it back. You want people to hate you? Just hate people. Because whatever you do is coming back. Whatever you meet out is coming back to you. So, so here's what Jesus said. When you get into the kingdom, the, the, the golden rule is, is important. The fruit test you shall know them by their fruit. Know them that labor among you, the Bible said. And, and I, I want to tell you this. You don't, you don't have to talk about it. You can just know. Look, when you go in, a, in the grocery store and you start going through the apples, if there's one there that's bad and it's, and it's got juice running out of it, and it's, you're not picking that up. You know that's bad. You go in and get bananas. Now, you might like them old dark bananas, but not this old boy. When they get too dark, I ain't, I ain't eating them. I had a preacher preach for one time. He got to tell him about his wife going to the store. She brought on, I don't know how many bananas. He said, what are you doing? She said, they were on sale. He said, I don't care what they're on sale. They're black. They're, they're ruined. So, so you, know, you know what fruit is. And you know what? You know people by their fruit. You know when somebody's kind. You know when somebody's got the love of God. You know when somebody is a giver. You know when somebody is a forgiver. You, you can tell the fruit of the Spirit of this joy and peace and love. And I'm going to get to that, but not tonight. I didn't get as far as I thought I would tonight. But here's what I want to tell you. you got to do the fruit test for people you hang around and hang with. And if there's bad fruit, you probably need to go somewhere else to find your friendship. Amen? So the laws and the rules are necessary to govern the old nature. They, they were there back then, the old nature. Notice what I'm saying, the old way. But the new way, it's the spirit. It's the, it's the indwelling of God inside of us. It's living in the new kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, the kingdom is not something you, you look around and say, oh, here it is over here. The kingdom is within you. So this is kingdom living, that new way. The old way, laws, ordinances, government, this is what you have to do. Man, I'm going to tell you, and I've said it many times since we started this Bible study, the laws and the ordinances and the rules of the Old Testament. If you hadn't read them lately, you can go read them. I'm reading the Bible again through this this year, and and you know, I, I, every time I read this this stuff, it just it's amazing to me. It's just amazing because there's so many rules. I mean, yeah, there, there's there's things there. They were they were told if you do this, just take them outside the city and stone them, kill the whole family. It was tough, but in the new way. A forgiving God, a loving God, a righteous God, 
a Savior, walking upright, living with God, not on you, but in you. Not a voice speaking from heaven, but a voice speaking in you. Aren't you glad you know Jesus tonight? Aren't you glad you're in the kingdom way of living, the New Testament way? Shall we stand all over this house? Amen.